Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I am your host. And tonight is April 2nd, 2013. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Blog Talk Radio Land. The number to call in is 818-475-9211. So I'm going to bring on uh, my guest host with me tonight. It's going to be Gunther. And just before I'm going to Bring them on in a second. I want to remind everybody, if you are new to the radio show, that there are other free support groups for alcohol and drug overuse problems, and they are SMART, SOS, which is Save Ourselves, or Secular Organizations for Sobriety, Life Ring, HAMS, Harm Reduction for Alcohol, Moderation.org, and Women for Sobriety. So these are all free support groups, and you also have the blog, so we'll talk about that a little later. So I am just going to bring on Gunther 2000. Hi, how are you? Hey, welcome to the show. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Good to hear your voice. I've been watching you on screen a lot. Your ears must be ringing, you know, because you're in my long, drawn-out trailer that I'm, I've made. <laughs> oh, good. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, you did a good job, really good job. Um, yeah, so uh, you will see it. And uh, um, Anyway, so let's jump right into it. So tonight's show I called uh, Tearing Up the Big Book and Other Literature. I did a show like this, Gunther, I think you may have called in, I'm not sure, but almost two years ago. And uh, I was sort of a little nostalgic as I was doing it, which I'm not at all anymore, uh, I have a book that uh, was published right before, I guess, the published one that came out in maybe 77 or whenever. Mine says 1955, so I had an earlier version. Uh, so I, I made some notes, and one of the things that I wanted to just look at, let me just go right to it, is... Um, in the forward to the first edition, in the first paragraph, it says, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered, and is the main purpose of this book, 
Uh, and so I, I don't know when that changed from recovered to recovering and that you had to go or people thought they had to go there forever. Mm-hmm. You know, did you... And I do remember people kind of fighting about maybe that word back in the 70s. Have you ever given any thoughts? You know, yeah, I used, to, that? I used to argue that point at meetings when I was uh, in the process of leaving mm-hmm. because people always say, no, you're recovering forever. We don't actually recover. That's uh, one of the things that is common in alcoholics is the belief in Alcoholics Anonymous right. is the belief that you're in recovery forever and that there actually is no cure so you can't be recovered. But it says right in their big book, just yeah. as you just stated, yeah. that um, those people who supposedly had recovered Mm-hmm. Recovered. Unfortunately, yeah, and uh, from what I've heard, a good number of those people who had supposedly recovered actually went back out drinking. But well, I I remember feeling at a point where that I had recovered. I remember at that point, I think if I hadn't been thirteen stepped and you know like kind of twice or sexually preyed on, and had that sort of downward spiral spiral that maybe went on, and, and about three years that I was you know, abstinent, that I clearly felt, um, you know, normal. I felt like I had recovered. But there was this, you know, kind of talk about this stuff that we'll get into the book where it says stuff about the mind that I think is really, you know, really telling about the way people have taken this thing and and twisted it. Um, So the first part is in the forward, which says XIX, which is, you know, still the forward. This is kind of like the preamble. So maybe we start with this, that what it says and what we know is true and not true. Okay, Gunther? Okay. All right. Um, so let's it says, it. as we, what? Go ahead. I said, let's do it. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. As we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and functionally effectively. Um, is it was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society, that our leaders might serve but never govern, that each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. Why don't we just stop there? So, well, how I don't do know how I don't know how many rehabs there are. All right, I'll say this, and you jump in after this. At the rehabs, when it says you know twelve step uh, recovery program, Betty Ford, what do you use? What's the modality? Twelve step, twelve step. Somebody gave me a number that there were a hundred uh, back in the uh, before the Hughes Act was passed in the late sixties, and now there's some five thousand. I mean, I don't know how many, but. We know there is a professional class that someone says, I have 15 years. No one does a background check on that. How do you check that you have, when they say they're sober as long as they are? And some of them have a really small degree. Uh, Some of them have gone on to have good degrees. But there's certainly, this is not true. What would you say about this piece right here that I just read? Well, I, I was wondering how they figure out who are alcoholics and who are alcoholics. Um, they say no, no alcoholic man or woman should be excluded. Well, how do they know whether someone's an alcoholic or not? It's just something you profess. Right. 
it's right. Good it's point. A bunch of bullshit. And the other the other stuff is just a bunch of gobbledygook, as far as I'm concerned. It's yeah. Well, I just want to point out this stuff about the the professional class, which is certainly not true anymore. There are there were to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. Uh, there was so that's not true. So half of the money, and people didn't understand why New York kept saying, "Well, we, you know, we need to give more in the basket because we are not self-supporting." And people were like, "What? Are you kidding?" And what they were they were not saying. They didn't come out and straight say that. Well, half of this twelve million, six million comes from us selling books to strangers in rehabs and treatment yeah. centers and prisons. Forced people are getting this book for, you know, you pay twenty five thousand dollars and you get an eight dollar big book good point so the alcoholics anonymous is not self-supporting of itself by members which i don't know if that might affect their nonprofit status but i, I think it's not supposed to be that way for them to keep a nonprofit status if they're selling books to non-members it says here um we, there was to be the least possible organization even in the service centers well there's a huge office in a big building uh, that costs them a lot of money. You know, they have the whole floor. I think they have a couple of floors, and they have another place where all the books are kept. Uh, and it is highly organized machine that people are getting paid two or three hundred thousand dollars a year. The top people, the, the twelve people that are getting paid, so that's not true. Our public relations policy is to be based on attraction rather than promotion. And uh, no nonsense. I've seen I've seen commercials on television promoting Alcoholics Anonymous. I've seen uh, advertisements in newspapers promoting Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, there's a lot of that in the TV shows. Really, huh? Like Nashville and oh, it's too many. I I, I just uh, I watch Shameless now, and uh, but they kind of make fun of AA in that show. Oh, good. Yeah, do you watch Shameless? No, I don't, but <laughs> it's really glad funny. to hear it. <laughs> they make really fun of it. Um, they make no give endorsements, make alliances, or enter enter into public controversy. Uh, the alliances they've made with the whole judicial system and the court system and the drug treatment, uh, the drug courts. Oh, but so, they'll deny it, Monica. But, they'll well, deny we know, it. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go online and you look up what happens if you get a DUI, which I did last week, even your first DUI... Uh, it's curious to what they say in your state. In California, it says, must attend Alcoholics Anonymous meetings or similar. I'm like, you're going to send me to the mosque? What, what's similar to AA? <laughs> right? I mean, smart or whatever. Um, okay, I'm going to move on because it's really kind of, you know, it's not. So the next part I want to go into is more about alcoholism. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics, no person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Okay, so from the beginning, you are a freak. Yeah. You're told that you're bodily different and you're mentally different and you're a freak. Okay, that's just wrong to tell, you know, any person, especially somebody in the teens or... That's really dangerous. I mean, uh, even... For somebody not, right, Gunther? I mean, you and I both bought that, that we were, you know, broken or something, right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's what they do to you. They they try to convince you that you're totally fucked up and that you can't live without them. 
Mm-hmm. And this is just part of that process. There's a whole lot more that goes goes along with this chapter that you're reading. That um, it's it's all designed to convince you that you're really really screwed up. Oh yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing in here nothing that there about about you. No, it's it's bad. So if we go on to the next paragraph, we learned. How did he learn? You know what? This is the part that's really hitting me about this book. He mm-hmm. kind of basically wrote it alone, Gunther, right? And right. he wrote it between 35 and it was published in 39. He didn't do any studies. You know, what, what kind of studies with the 50 guys, 100 guys? But the t- they said when, they, when this was published, there was only 100 of them. Mm-hmm. So we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people. It has to be smashed. Right, right. Or presently, maybe, it has to be smashed. So a lot of abuse comes in then with other people and sponsoring and people saying, you got to get this through your head or you cannot take the first step in our recovery. Mm. The next one I underlined here is, this is the one that really got me. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Now, I'm like... 18 and a half or 19 and a half and when I would hear this because they used to read this a lot to try to get the younger people into the groups I think because it was more geared towards young people I w- it got me depressed I was getting more and more depressed that I thought I was like a woman who had lost her legs and I had pretty nice legs back then I wasn't very <laughs> pretty messed up neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men Can I break in here? Yeah. I have a quote. I have a quote from the big book on page 473 that goes right along with what you just said. Neither does there appear to be any treatment. This quote goes like this. Here was a book that said I could do something that all these doctors and priests and ministers and psychiatrists I've been going to for years couldn't do. Yeah. They try to convince you that that nobody else can help you but them. It's right. AA or nothing. Yeah, no doctor. I, I underlined something like that, too, where it said something about the doctor's opinion. I think I, I skipped over it. But that, you know, doctors and even psychiatrists couldn't help. And your family can't help. Like, I was so brainwashed. And, you know, okay, you, you, like, that's not true because, you know, I did help some family. Uh, I'm sorry I did turn them on to AA now, but... Um, yeah, it's really, neither does there to be any kind of treatment. So it's just a lie. So people, when they sit and read this, why don't they say, guys, this was written in the 1930s. There are other ways. There are. Yeah. And Naltrexone worked wonders for me. What's that? Naltrexone. I want to plug Naltrexone if I can right now. Okay, Naltrexone is a drug. It's a prescription medication that... Basically, it, it just cuts down or removes the desire to drink, and it really works. If you're an alcoholic or an alcohol-troubled person, I'll, I'll stay away from using the word ter- the term alcoholic. Mm-hmm. If you're out there listening to this show and you're wondering, you know, is there anything else that could help you? There's naltrexone, there's smart recovery, there's SOS. There's women for sobriety. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there that can help you. All you need to do is take the time to dig it up and and look for it and 
and take action, you know? Yeah. Bits and pieces of each one and and build for you something that could work for you so you don't have to deal with this alcoholism anymore. Yeah, it's really good. I have a a new friend who was in AA a long time and left and became a smart leader, and he got his whole area to be sending everybody to smart and all the doctors. He actually visited all the doctors in his town. Uh-huh. And he bought his he brought his favorite books with him and gave them uh to doctors, which is really kind of what AA did, but I think that if all of us when we go to our doctor, you and me and ETP and all the bloggers when you visit your internist your regular doctor for that yearly or when you get sick and say, you know, by the way, are you aware? And we give them a book or uh, just tell them that these other things are available. We will affect change and you can be sure that somebody's going to come in and they're going to appreciate the knowledge that there's other choices, like especially, you know, you're a perfect example of others, other things working. Uh, and, uh, okay, let's go on here. Let's see. We tried. Right. We tried every imaginable remedy in some instances there has been brief recovery followed by a still worse relapse physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic science may one day accomplish this but it hasn't done so yet so it's another piece where you go you know this is nuts it's 1936 a science has it Gunther just explained it we have an ex, you know, person who all the doctors are using it in this one state or everyone's getting. There's also another one, I think it's called vitriol, that there's something you could actually get a shot that will last uh, a month. The other thing I just want to state, if someone is new to it, the naltrexone, uh, you should take one hour before you drink. So you actually still drink and take the naltrexone one hour before uh, and then it, it makes you not want to have of uh, 17 cans of beer. <laughs> on the floor, 17 right. cans of beer. <laughs> that's called the, the Sinclair method is what that's called, taking right. it or before you first drink. Of course, we're not doctors, but people should talk to their doctors about, about naltrexone and the possibility that it could help them if, if they've tried everything else. I love that, how they say that. We've tried everything else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they tried everything else that was around back in 1935, which is basically they tried to stop on their own. They just tried to quit and tried to quit and couldn't quit. Well, I wonder what they did with, you know, heart disease in 35 and what they did with um, diabetes and what they did with uh, women's menopause, called, was called hysteria. In 1936, uh, you didn't have a, a transplant. My uncle had a heart transplant. You know, a 27-year-old's heart put in his heart when he, the, the young guy died of a motorcycle accident. My uncle's been walking around for 12 or 15 years. That's science. And this kind of stuff, you know, the problems that existed then, uh, there's been science has accomplished a lot. And I really... I, I actually, the meeting, the last meeting that I was at that I went to speak before Keeper spoke, and I went, I don't know, it was good over a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and they actually read this instead of Chapter 5 before I got up. I was a 10-minute speaker, and I had already really left AA, and I just did it for her, and 
I, they read that. They said, you know, science may one day accomplish it, but it hasn't done so yet. And the guy sits down, and I stood up, and I was like, you know, that's not true at all anymore. You know, that's like this book. And I just started to talk like and, you and I. And, and I bet the, cro- the crowd moaned because when I mentioned naltrexone at a meeting, there was there was a moan and almost a an immediate response. There is no magic pill from the crowd. Right. They, there's hecklers, right? I mean, I was heckled. Mm. And uh, why are you here, or why you, you know, the, why are you here if you're? And I started to promote other things if this doesn't work. And you know, I said, well, if you really cared about the still suffering individual, you would want to know another choice if they're coming in the rooms and it's not helping them. You would want to say that, wow, you know, there's other things out here, and we're not sending you away, but you would want to know about them. And the fact that that I didn't know about them until 2009. There's a travesty, and I'm not the only one. I see people's faces, you know, light up when we talk about the other things. And uh, so I want to share. So here we are on page 39. All right. That's more about alcoholism. Now they're talking about the potential alcoholic. So who's who they're going after? A group of us. I don't know if you were on with this blog when we were discovered this that AA went after Catholic grade schools in the 60s as part of their PR efforts. Really? Yeah, and that's fucked up. Oh. Yeah, that's fucked up. Because we realized, those of us that were my age, we all had speakers come to our school. I was in sixth grade, I think, or seventh. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I can't remember what, sixth or seventh grade. And they came and brought an N.A. girl and an A.A. guy. And, you know, they were really going after, oh, man, it's just, I really know what they were doing. You know, it's really upsetting. Yeah, I got labeled. The youngsters, trying to get them to, uh, this is psychological prohibition. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. they have even started drinking, they're planting the idea in their head that they may be unable to control it. I mean, if I would have heard Stanton Peel stuff, or, you know, my family would, then you're just saying, well, you're a teenager going through a teenager stuff, and, you know, maybe we, you know, you've got some other stuff going on, right? Oh, there's Laura. She's in the queue. Hi, Laura. Now, Chuckson is a blah, 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 song. <laughs> hey there. Welcome. Uh, let me just say hi to her in the chat room. Oh, it was so weird last week when I couldn't see my chat. I was like, I felt like I was blind almost, but... uh I was working on that trailer. It was pretty exciting. Uh, this is this, so it says the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception. What the fuck is with this guy, Mister Know It All? What the fuck is with Bill Wilson, Gunther? Like, you know that the that arrogance. Look at that. But with hardly an, an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self knowledge. Right. Okay, this is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize to smash home upon the alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. I mean, let's get the man behind, we always say the man behind, the peel back the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> and reveal the wizard. Pay no attention to the man <laughs> behind the curtain. Well, that, that's when uh, I think you had your show and your, what you used to read when you opened your show, when you had it. Yeah, to pull back the curtain. Right, I really liked that. And reveal the truth. 
Right. It's really funny because it really is. It's like the big boogeyman and you see it and you go like, wow, this is messed up. Um, what about this part? The back, alcohol? Back, back go ahead, yeah. What you were just talking about. If you'll notice, whenever Bill Wilson talks about this subject and whenever he tries to smash home the idea that nobody can do it right. without Alcoholics Anonymous, he always puts that little disclaimer in there. Almost never. You know, the rest mm. of the text is really designed, it's geared toward getting you to believe that that nobody can do it. But there's always that little one word, almost. Yeah, he, like that. Well, he was such a... But you know, one of the guys who, who, the other man I was just talking about, who left after 30 years, said that he felt that if Bill were alive, he would have been all for... Uh, naltrexone and the cures and antidepressants because he in fact took LSD as a cure. You know they were doing the real research and found that it helps people uh, who had you know really bad drinking problems and he had really bad depression for years. Um, so I thought that was kind of curious because I, I didn't un- know this about him, but he really turned over a lot of the uh, controls in the late 50s, which is when he began to do the research. And that's when the uh, board and the general service conference began. So he kind of tried to turn over the the reins, so to speak, because he, <laughs> the man was really unhappy. He was, was so depressed. And maybe the, maybe my friend is right that he would have been for it, but the, they certainly weren't, the, like the, the hardcore uh, people who had sort of risen up in the ranks. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't like it now, that's for sure. No, no. They, they, if it works, don't fix it. That's their slogan, you know what I mean? Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say about anything in We Agnostics, or should I move on? No, move on. Let's Let's do this. Okay. So, uh, back, so now we're at Chapter 5, and uh, we're going to start with rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And what is the real thing it should say there, Gunther? It's rarely have we seen a person thoroughly follow our path. Right, right. So when you go, I mean, this just dawned on me. I don't know if it was when I met you and you said that, that then I was, because I was still going to meetings, that I went in there and I heard that after you said that, mm-hmm. uh, that I it dawned on me how few people are even of service, how few people, you know, work this, whatever, work the steps, and because I was had tried to be like Miss Perfect AA for a number of years. And... So so we know that most people don't follow it, but it's such a setup for failure when it's just rarely have we seen a person fail. So you think if you follow, if you do what we're tell, what you're told, yeah. then you're not going to fail, which is hogwash. So those who do not recover. This is hold so on, mad. hold on a second. Let me yeah. just take a minute to look at that. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. How do they know? Who are the, who? How do they identify the people who have thoroughly followed the path, and the people who haven't followed the path? <laughs> are there um, 
they have tattoos on their forehead that say, I did all 12 steps exactly the way they're laid out in the big book? You know, they have, Kevin has this joke that, and it's not true where somebody says, you know, come over and, like, take off my, take off your clothes, you know, because we found this was true, that the Spanish community, they were telling the women to go up in the mountains and have sex when they did their fourth and fifth step. But, you know, when... Uh, it says, oh, man, I lost my train of thought. When you were talking about um, those who... How do they identify? Oh, how they identify. So imagine Bill in, you know, his stepping stones, and you, if you got the honor that, you know, you were so privileged that you could go up there to stepping stones in Katona, and you're going to be in that little kitchen and have a pot of coffee with Bill Wilson, and you have, like, <laughs> a little questionnaire, right, like a little thing, and say, you know, have you done this good? Have you done this? No, you're right. There's, there is no way... And uh, except if somebody controlled you and told you, you know, where to go and what to be and and how to, which meeting you were going to lead and, you know, whose floor you were going to sweep and whose cigarettes you were going to pick up and, you know, this, who, who, what drunk was going to sleep on your couch that night. Maybe they were controlling back then, like we see with the cults technique groups today. I don't know. Here's the, but listen to this next line. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. So basically they're saying those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely like jump in and like say, you know, this, this is it, man, you know, do everything that I'm supposed to do, and it's become crazy because there's a lot of meetings now, which there wasn't then. They only met once a week in you know his house or somebody's house. Usually, men and women. It gets worse. Okay? Yeah, it gets really. Usually, good. men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So now you're a fuck up. You're just yeah. you're, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're constitutionally incapable. So deep down, you're just a fucking liar. Yeah. Well, you're an unfortunate. But wait a second. He gives you an out. You're not at fault. You know, you're born that way. Holy shit. You're born that way? Yeah. So you were born that way. You were born constitutionally incapable of being honest with anybody. That's nuts. So, you know, when you were there 20 years ago or whatever it was, were there two types of beliefs, like those that said you were born that way and those that said absolutely not, that you just became a problem drinker and alcoholic later? Was that going on when you first came? Um, I'm not sure. It was a big uh, divide in the community. I remember in Honolulu, the very successful people said, absolutely, you're not born that way. Um, it was something that happened to you and you drank and you became one. And there was this other group that was, you know, another version, but it doesn't matter. So I think that's really horrible. And they're reading this over and over, and people hear this shit, you know, every day or however often they go to a meeting. Okay, you're born that way. They are, once again, he's totally reiterating again, you are naturally incapable of grasping and developing. What the fuck? Yeah. Right? Developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So he's saying again that these people are also broken in another way. Your chances 
he doesn't even give you hope like Tony Robbins. There's no rah rah here. If your chances are your chances are less than average, Gunther. Okay. Yeah. And then to make it even worse, there are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So he's saying he's saying basically, do as I say. And if you don't do as I say, you're a liar or you're a mental case. That's basically what that says. Right, right. And Laura wrote here, let's see what she wrote. Most people stop on step three because the rest of them are labeling yourself in nothing but negatives. There is nothing, in quotes, simple about it. It's a mind control cult. It's true, Laura. It really is. I want to talk about how many times... God is mentioned, which is why if you are new listening out there, hi there, uh, in 25 states, it's already been taken to the superior court in that state or in that court that uh, you cannot be sentenced. It has been deemed either a religion or there's too much religious type activity going on. Uh, so it's, it's pretty clear if you look on the Smart Recovery website, they've now posted all of the, uh, the lawsuits that were filed when people were got sent there. So God is all over the place. Um, there's about six mentions of God, and then there's more if you add the higher power gobbledygook. Okay? Gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. That's what I like to call it. Now, I, um, we beg of you, here's some of the things. Um, if you've decided you want what we have, right, and then you're willing, you've got to be willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready. So this is the insanity that I believed for way too long that I'm very ashamed and embarrassed to say, Gunther, but uh, thank God I'm not there anymore. You know what I mean? I believed it too, Monica. I was desperate to find a way to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this was what was fed to me every time I went to a rehab. So I believed it and, and tried to do what they say. But, well, you go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, we're talking about it, but I know you were in and out of, you know, the rehabs, and this didn't work for you, and what, I was talking to another blogger, and, you know, she said something interesting, like, she said, well, I don't think you were ever an alcoholic, because you just went and you wanted people to be with that didn't drink, and I said, I agree with her, but she said something that was funny, that, I don't know if this is true, that A and NA works for people who really aren't truly addicted, they just want you want to be with other people, who right. are not using anymore. But the people who really have kind of really tough addictions, it doesn't work for. Now, I don't agree with that 100% on the NA side because I knew people who were real addicts and they stopped. But um, they're, they're few. I don't know a lot of them personally. You know, it's only the small core group. But I did see other people who had a real, really strong, um, I would say, dependence on alcohol that it did not work for and constantly, you know, drank um, those beverages with alcohol in them again because I don't want to use the word relapse. You know, I don't want to buy into their stupid talk uh, and their rhetoric. It says here he begs you if, um, to be fearless and thorough. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does that mean? Like taking off your clothes to read the fifth step? Is that what that means? You know, fearless? <laughs> Jump in, go in a room and hold hands with strangers and have them sitting, you know, close to you and left and right and ask you to go out to uh, dinner and then 13-step you? I don't know. Is that what that means? Uh, this part here, 
Go ahead. You wanted to say something? I was just laughing. Okay. Some of us had to try to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil, and so we let go absolutely. This line is so overused. Don't you think? I mean, oh, it's your old ideas. You have to let go. You know, that's an old idea. Yeah, everything's an old idea if you get right down to it, you know. Um, how many times have you heard it said in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, my way doesn't work? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and what is my way? My right. way, you know, um, I, I was just reading on another blog today on Craigslist. Ooh. Somebody said that my way doesn't work, and and somebody was suggesting, well, I might want to try something else, and and this person jumped right in and said, your way doesn't work. Wow. So there's this insinuation that you know, if you're trying anything besides Alcoholics Anonymous, it's your way, and it doesn't work. And um, there's also another insinuation that goes along with that, which is that if if you're trying anything besides Alcoholics Anonymous, you're doing it alone, which is untrue. If you, you utilize available resources right. to get yourself to stop drinking and they're not AA, you're not doing it alone. Right. You, know, you, you might have the support of friends, family, counselors, other people in other support groups. Um, you may just choose to be around healthy people rather than alcoholics all the time. Who came up with this effing idea that you have to hang around with other people who had a substance abuse problem in order to get better? How does that make any sense? Right. In fact, like Dr. Kern, it's a really good point. You're, you're just hitting on something that happened to somebody very close to me that's exactly that, that you, if you leave AA, you leave that group, they make the assumption that you need something other than yourself to be okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't. I mean, there are people who are in it a long time who might miss the uh, sensation of this fellowship, or I really call it a false sense of intimacy, which is really a false sense of intimacy. Because That's a great way to put it. Yes. If something goes wrong, you find out what who really your friends are and the truth is all of us only have a handful of friends at a time you know that nobody has 200 friends or even 15 friends you might have associates and colleagues and right. coworkers. You know, I, I don't care what your facebook page says right 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 so uh you know i just it's a good really good uh point you just brought up so um some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and we said that so we let go. Absolutely, remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and problems. So they start to really fear fear monger the alcohol, which is something I didn't feel when I quit. Like I quit and I was done, and I I did drink, you know, too much, uh, for too long, uh, and never knew what it was like to have a buzz when I was a teenager. I went straight from you know, sober, sober, you know, or dry to, you know, guzzle drinks to all the things that are wrong. But that that's giving alcohol actually so much power, you know, that um, it is, and actually the alcohol industry loved AA because now it wasn't demons, demon rum's fault. It was you. You were sick. You, the alcoholic, were messed up, not 
the uh, rum, which is what the um, the women who what did what did they call themselves back then? The abolitionists? No, not abolitionists. Prohibitioners. <laughs> what did they call themselves? Prohibitioners or um, yeah, temperance temperance league. Right, it was the temperance movement, and the, you know the Washingtonians were big, like they got to be in the millions or a million was recorded, and they were very much a part of getting alcohol to be illegal for as long as it was. And, you know, Mr. Uh, whoever, the big owners of uh, Seagram's and stuff, were very happy when Alcoholics Anonymous came along and they were taking on the blame that it was us that were broken, not that alcohol was the problem. And if you watch, like, archival footage from then it it's really funny i i just think uh our society has really gotten wacko with uh you know how everybody gets labeled it's it's uh, we i hope we we'll, we'll change it let's see she, laura wrote more than that alcohol is power but you are powerless that's right good point laura um so without help here we go now gunther for the religious ones and God help those who were atheists or or something else. Without help, it's too much for us. There is one who has all power, the man behind the curtain. That one is God. You may find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. Like they're, So they're saying, even if you do it half good, so now harm reduction is out the window. Now heart, that doesn't work. You, to reduce harm doesn't matter. You drank. Yeah. Even though the world didn't blow up, you didn't crash a car, you didn't hurt anybody you drank at home that night uh you're still fucked up gunther you know what i mean you drank again oh well, more, more than that they're trying to hammer home this idea that you're absolutely we're, we're still on the same topic that you're absolutely powerless over this stuff that um that you need to throw yourself a hundred percent into this program and there's another contradiction from AA that goes along with that, which is the old saying, well, take what you need and leave the rest. Right. You can't have it both ways. You can't take what you need and leave the rest. Right. And, but half measures availed us nothing. Right. So AA really does stress these ideas that you have to be 100% AA or you're going to fucking fail. Well, that's the part that I feel is very manipulating and I underlined you know one of the i don't know where it is it's later on in the book where i said it, it was the same kind of point that you're making about take what you like and leave the rest identify don't compare you know <laughs> that's what was said to me over and over and i would sit there and go uh i never lost a job uh i never crashed a car i don't belong here i don't belong here oh don't worry honey just i didn't they should have said no you don't you don't belong here you know Get the hell out of here and go to go to school and, and live your life. This yeah, I remember this guy named Henry came to a meeting one time, and he this does go along with this. He he refused to say I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, "Hi, my name's Henry, and I was sent here by the court." And um, mm -hmm. and they just swarmed him after the meeting, like it was their their duty to convince him that he was an alcoholic. Well, some people who go to these meetings, they're not as bad as some of these people who, who are sleeping in the gutter, you know? Right, right. They're really moderation and harm reduction. 
and even smart to learn, you know, other skills or any of the, you know, the five, six programs we talked about mm-hmm. could help somebody to get a handle on it and, you know, start the use of naltrexone and, uh, yeah, you know, I, if I ever go to a meeting for to do any of my activism mm-hmm. while I'm finishing my film, I've decided I'm going to say I'm Monica, an empowered woman. And I'm, I'm going to say, no, I don't label myself. I think that's very, very negative and very dangerous to do. It's not healthy. And then if they give me shit, you'd say, are you kidding? I thought, you know, all are welcome here. You're going to, you're going to welcome a pedophile and a rapist? But if they, if they, you know, label themselves an alcoholic... You're going to welcome them, but you're going to give me shit because I don't want to label myself that anymore because I think after so much so much time and whatever that none of that matters. Yeah, so much for their just suggestions and take what right. you need and leave the rest, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't conform in AA, you'll be ostracized. Well, and, and the, same, the, the whole thing that you just said about the paradoxes or, you know, you have to do it this way, but then it says this in the book. So right after they read the 12 steps, it says, you know, many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. And it says, oh, don't be discouraged. This is where the manipulation comes back in and the brainwashing. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. So now you get the we are not saints card to get you out of, you know, the shithole. Right. And you can do lousy crap. The point is that we're just willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have it, set down are guided to progress. I mean, either it is or it contradicted isn't. contradicted everything he just said. Right. It's a total contradiction. It's a total mind fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next part that about step three the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will. Oh, my God. If free will, self-will can be a success? Are you kidding me? So now it's all about this, like, communistic... Oh, and you said this before on one of your shows or when you called in or something about it's the group, you know, that matters and that the individual, you know, needs to conform. It's very, very strong... Oxford movement, pre-Hitler, uh, which he was into uh, Hitler's beliefs. But they had to have some kind of brainwashing go on in that country, in Germany, before you could have a man like that take over. Mm-hmm. You don't matter. You know, you're, the group matters. It's the most important thing here. Well, uh, I'd like to point out, when he says any life, run on self-will. He's not just talking about alcoholics. Mm. He says any life. Mm-hmm. So basically that's a an all-encompassing life philosophy for everybody that we all need to follow. And this huge Oxford group overtones within that. Right, so right. If you know anything about the Oxford group, you can tell where these, these ideas come from, the ideas of original sin. And, and um, so... You need to dump yourself and get rid of yourself is the idea here. Any life run on self-will, what does it say? Uh, it says here, any life, um, uh, the first requirement, oh, my God, it's a requirement, Gunther. The first requirement oh, is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, that's pretty arrogant again. And then it says, this whole part here goes on about, I'm just going to read it. If you want to stop, you just tell me as I read it, because I'm going to read this whole passage. 
Right. On that basis that we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though your motives are good. Okay? Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show. Is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, and the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If, arra- if his arrangements could only stay put, if only people could do as he wished, the show would be great. Now, this is... This is so interesting. I have never seen this like I'm seeing it now. This next, uh, we're coming up to here about talking about nice qualities about people. He puts them down. It says everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. Trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. Now they're going to put people down for being nice. He says he may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, and even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest, but as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. What usually happens, now he's going against, he's going to profess the doom and gloom. The show doesn't come off yeah. as well. He begins to think the life doesn't treat him well. I mean, it's, it's stupidity, and I'm turning the page. <laughs> yeah, he's saying that your life is falling apart. Your life is falling apart because you're selfish and self-centered. And you're trying to run everybody else's show, but in actuality, most of the people who are reading this shit, the li- their life is falling apart because they're addicted to alcohol, mm-hmm. and because they can't function in a rational and reasonable manner because they keep being drawn back into this this addic- addiction. Can you believe it is ten to five? We only have ten more minutes um, to go on here. Uh, I'm having fun. This is funny. All right, so you know the next page. This is the page where it says selfishness and self-centeredness. That we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Okay. Um, this is the part that's really fucked up. Sometimes we they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in the position to be hurt. Now, there can be some truth in this, but you don't tell this to a teenager who just got sexually preyed on by, the, by a fuckhead who knows exactly what he's doing, mm-hmm. or do you say it to somebody like... Um, yourself or like to Callie who called in, what was your part in it? That you made some, somewhere you made a choice and it's your fault. You wore that skirt, it's too short, it's your fault you got raped. Yep. You were such an adorable little five-year-old, so you got molested, what's your part in it? I mean, I can't believe somebody posted on a different blog, there's a new blogger who showed up and he, I guess they really have read Ken Reggie's stories and, um, I mean, the book, uh, Rebecca Farnsway and stuff wrote, and there's really some horror, horror stories that were in those early books. I want to take a second here and really stand up for myself, because when this shit is read to me or when I read it, I hear, you know, the, the message he's trying to pound home here, or one of the messages, is that it's not okay to think about yourself. Right. I want to stand up and say, you know what? Sometimes I do think about myself, and God damn it, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with me thinking about myself, you know? I'm right. important to me. What the fuck is wrong with that? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, what did she write here? Yeah, she. Th- that's true. I mean, I agree with you. When you take, I mean, I read so many other books starting, I mean, really early on, I think when I was two years in the program. Uh, first it was, um, there were Ogmandino's books, and there were a lot of self-help books. Maybe some of them were written by AA members, but they some of them were not, you know, and I really saw that it was not good, that there was this, this program was not going to help me at some of my core issues that I had. Mm-hmm. And I really began to read lots of other books and read, get subliminal tapes and listen to them and learn different meditations and a lot of other things that... Oh, I really hear you. It, listen to this part. This is what I, I highlighted I wanted to say here. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us? Come oh, on. Oh, you're going to die. You're gonna, you're in fact, I would have people in AA, to me, are so, there's, I know some people who aren't this way. Let me just say that. There's people I know, there's some women and some men who are not like this. But there's, they're so self-absorbed. Some of them, even after a long time abstinence and clean, very self-absorbed with their stories and their past, still even after not having a drop or a lick or a hit of anything for 30, 35 years, why the fuck are you talking about it so much? Nobody gives a fuck. (laughs) You know, about, I don't, and, and I felt this way, Gunther, a long time ago, when people tried to label themselves, it's like they, that was their identity, you know, to be an AA member who had this story, who drank too much or used too much, and, you know, you tell this. It's, it's called narrative therapy now, where they can see how people constantly tell a certain story. I mean, it, it's a good thing to work on. I'd worked on it, where you stop telling that story, you know, even it, it doesn't need to be told, or maybe telling it in a different way, the stuff that happened to us, you know. It, it re-injures us, I was told. If you tell a really horrible story where you were so hurt as a child, like it's, you know, like you're having, you know, pancakes with syrup on it and a cup of coffee, and they all get really numb. They get really shut down so that when they hear a horror story, they don't go, oh, my. I mean, the women's group I went to, the women did. They were like, if somebody had a horrible thing, they were like, oh, people would, like, gasp. And the people that were healthy. But... I mean, I'm, I'm glad you stood up for yourself there and, uh, you know, talked about uh, it's what we want is okay. What we want matters. Right. It doesn't mean we're completely self-absorbed that we think about ourselves sometimes. It's okay to think about yourself sometimes. But this guy's trying to convince you, Bill Wilson here in this book, that you only think of yourself. And when you're vulnerable, you'll believe that shit. Right, right. She just said, Laura wrote something good. It says, it's normal for anyone to take care of self. Everyone takes care of themselves first. Uh, Gunther is right. It's called reframing, reframing the story. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. Um, Quit playing God. It didn't work. I have underlined on the next page. It says, our little plans and designs. Wow. I mean, when people, there's a story you tell about how you were getting your stuff together and you were wearing a suit so that you could run over to your mass after your meeting and that guy made fun of you. Yeah, yeah. 
You want to tell that? I mean, that's just so, that is so mean. You know, I, I, I was trying to figure out who the God of my understanding was, and I'll try to be quick about this. Um, I was trying to figure it out, so I figured, okay, well, I'm going to go to church, and it was a Baptist church. It wasn't a mass, but um, <clears throat> I figured I'd take my son to church with me, and we'd learn about the Bible and stuff, because right. that's what I'm supposed to be looking at here, mm-hmm. God, right? Right. To AA, so the meeting, the Sunday morning meeting was right before church service, so if I hustled, I'd be able to make it from one to the other. Right. If I just went to the meeting dressed up in my suit. Mm-hmm. So I dressed in my suit and went to the meeting and sat down. And this is a little crude, so cover your ears if you're sensitive. <laughs> but I, I went to the meeting and sat down, and this guy said to me, hey, how are you doing, Todd? And I said, I'm, I'm doing fine. I, I'm trying to quit smoking. And he said, oh, you, he gave me this look when I first came in because I was in my suit, you know. But right. when I said I'm trying to quit smoking, he said, you are one fucked up alcoholic. Next thing you know, you'll try to quit jerking off. Wow. And that's the kind of abuse you put up with, with, with these, right. these old timers and these AA gurus who have to keep putting you in your place and remind you that you're just a fucking worm in the ground and you're not really worth anything. But we know that we are, and I think you're seeing with all the blogs, and if somebody's just turned in, I want to plug the blog. So Gunther has a blog, expaa.org, Expose AA. Um, I have leavingaa.com and Stop 13 Step. There's uh, Stinkin' Thinkin' is still up, and Orange Papers is a forum, and uh, there is nadaytona.org. Is there anything else I'm leaving out? Is there another blog um nothing i can think of off the top of my head I yeah so we all, man, we got like two minutes left i don't know how we're gonna we're not gonna be able to do this uh, I, i'm i'm well, 66 and they talk about the alcoholic whose hope is maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience the business of resentment is infinitely grave and this, here comes here comes another threat go ahead yeah we found that it is fatal for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. <laughs> and with us, to drink is to die, right? Right. <laughs> to die. You're going to die if you don't do what I say. Right. You're going to die if you pick up if you have a drink. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. All right. It's like 90 seconds, so I guess we have to have a part two. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. I had a great time tonight. <laughs> Yes, it's really funny because I have to, we'll do it. I have a few people lined up, you know, for the next couple of weeks, and then when I don't have somebody, we'll do a part two. But this whole two pages, which I know that you know, it goes on, I think, for four pages because we get to page 69 where they talk about sex, wink, wink. You know, I guess they put it there on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? This is all about you can't get angry, you're going to get drunk, and they become so angry after a lot of time, but... We are just about out of time. I want to thank uh, Gunther uh, 2000 uh, for coming on the show and help me uh, do this show. And Laura it w- is out there in the uh, chat room. It was a little quiet tonight, and that's okay. Uh, three of us is uh, better than one. Thank you, Laura, and for all your great words that you told my dear friend. It really helped him, who's deprogramming. And uh, we will be back next week. 
and the week after, I'm going to have finally women for sobriety on. I think it's important, you know, even though I don't, I don't know enough about them. But again, uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Gunther. Thank you. All right, we'll we'll see you next week. Okay. Good night. All right. Good night. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care.